box that you set them on. So if you're up there, maybe a question doesn't come to you in a seminar or in a session, maybe it comes to you through quiet reflection, like personal time or whatever, write it down and put it in the box, or just come ask on a box. Okay? So now Andrew will come up and talk to us a bit about what we're going to be learning about this weekend um, and about where the theme of dreams came from. Okay, guys, good evening, good evening. Um, first of all, do you all want to stand up? Don't sit down, Robin. Stand up. Give yourselves a shake. So actually stand up. Actually stand up. Give yourselves a shake because I know how sleepy you all get, okay? Have a seat again. You're going to want to get your Bibles out. Wow. Okay, so you're going to need a Bible um, when you come over here, so please, please do remember that. Um, I have to say, so far, so good. Glad to see that we've been keeping the Ballygown traditions of messing up the words alive, Courtney. Uh, glad to see we're keeping up the Ballygown tradition of the words. I know, I, I, I know, I know, I know. Can't take a joke, can't take a joke. I know, okay. Um, so yeah, grab your Bibles if you brought a notebook. Um, you might want to grab a wee notebook as well. <laughs> You're not leaving, but if you have a notebook and a Bible with you, you might want to get that out. You might want to take some notes. You might want to write stuff down. Some of this stuff might actually change your life. Um, but you never know, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Um, I'm glad to see you are all so organised, so I'm just going to take my watch off and ignore time. Um, okay, alright, okay. Guys, you're very welcome. Uh, welcome to our youth weekend for 2019. Um, okay, we bit of a woo there, not very much. The boys are already taking notes. I'm glad to see there. We've got welcome probably written down. Uh, so yeah, guys, you're very welcome. Uh, as Robin has said, our theme this year, um, our theme this year is dream, and we're going to unpack that um, as we go on throughout the weekend. Um, and dream is something we all have, okay? I don't think there's anybody here that would say that there's not something they dream of, okay? Something they would like to become, someone they would like to become, something they would like to do later in life, or things that they're doing now, maybe you are fulfilling some of the dreams that you have already. As we're children, when we're really young, we have lots and lots of different dreams and things that we aspire to be. Sometimes they change every day. Sometimes we dream one day of being an astronaut, the next day we want to be a farmer, the next day we want to be a pig. And some of those dreams aren't going to happen, but for every single one of us, we can fulfill uh, the dreams that we have. And for some of us as well, it's dreams of things that we want to do in life or things that we want to buy. So some people dream of having a nice house, some people dream of having a nice car, some people dream of having a good job, okay? And some people just dream about tractors. Isn't that right, Sam? All right. But we all have things to do. So when I was younger, uh, when I was younger, when I was a child, which was many, 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 many years ago, I always wanted to be a zookeeper. And some people say that technically, as a youth worker, I have fulfilled that dream. Because it is quite different, it's quite difficult to tell the difference between a zookeeper and a youth worker. Because they both look after wild animals. I personally would disagree. 
looking at all the grizzly bears looking at me now, I would say they're definitely wrong. So yeah, so when I was younger, I, I really wanted to be I really wanted to be a zookeeper. That was my dream. That was where I wanted to go in life. And my mum was demented because any chance we got, we went to the zoo or we went to somewhere where there was animals. Now, there was one slight problem with my dream. I was terrified of animals. All right? So I wanted to be a zookeeper, but I didn't actually ever want to go near an animal because I was absolutely terrified of animals. But that was my dream. And, and, and I knew that to get there, that I had to overcome that fear. And it was something I worked towards. Luckily, I uh, very quickly... Um, after quite a lot of years, changed that dream. I wanted to be a teacher for a while. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a doctor at one point until I realized you had to be smart. And that's just not me. Uh, so yeah, and then I kind of just went back to Zookeeper again and, and moved around them all. But as I grew up, I had lots and lots of different dreams and lots of things that, that I wanted to do. But likewise as well as that, God had a dream for me. He had a dream and a plan for my life. And he has a dream and a plan for your life. And, that, and this weekend, that's what we want to explore. Okay? That's what we want you to really grasp a hold of. And he, he communicates those to us in a number of different ways. All right? For some of us, we hear a clear, audible voice. We hear God speak clearly. For others, we get it through scripture. We get it through reading our Bibles. We get it through people coming and telling us things. There's many, many different ways that God will speak to us. And some people, God will give dreams and visions to. And this weekend, we're going to look at one of those people in the Bible that God spoke to through dreams and visions. We're going to look at the story of Joseph from the very beginning when he was a shepherd boy, right through to he was the ruler of Egypt, and all the trials and troubles and circumstances that he faced the entire time. And for Joseph... God showed him the plan that he had for him in a dream. And Joseph knew in his heart that if they were from God, then they must be good. And he clung on to them. The dream and the vision that God placed in Joseph's heart may not have been the dream that Joseph wanted for his life. But he knew that when God gave him that, it was something he had to cling on to and hold on and refuse to let go of. And very, very quickly, God's dream became his dream. He was determined that through his life, he was going to fulfill what God had shown him. And this weekend, through the different talks and seminars, we're going to unpack that a wee bit more and look at what it meant. Um, and we're going to travel with Joseph, and we're going to travel through some of the themes of his life and see how we can apply these to our own lives. All right? I personally absolutely love the story of Joseph, okay? I love it for so many reasons. Number one, the songs, all right? The songs are epic. And if you're lucky, I won't sing any of them to you, all right? But we all know the story of Joseph, and that's why I love it, because it's so accessible, it's so easy to understand. But I think that Joseph is someone that we can all relate to. He isn't perfect. He's quite arrogant early on in the story, if we look deeply into it. He gets tempted. He's imprisoned for something he didn't do. And he doesn't have an easy journey. But the whole way through his life, he stays true to God and to God's call in his life. He doesn't ever wander off the path, even though at times throughout his life, the path takes him on a different journey to what he expected. And even if for you, you really can't find something in the story of Joseph or an aspect of his life or something that happens to him that relates to your own life, then there's definitely something that you can learn from the story and from his character. 
And our prayer for this weekend is that you will hear something that gives you one of those light bulb moments where it just pings above your head or where God will confirm something with you or that he will continue to birth his dream for your life in you. He will show you vision, but not only that, that you will grab hold of it and that you will run with it. We want this weekend to change you in a way that you can't even imagine or dream of right now. We want you to leave whatever you came here with out in the rain and pick up what God is saying to you. And I think that, I don't think, I know that throughout this weekend, God has lots of different things that he's going to break into your life with. And you just need to decide whether you're going to listen and take it on board or whether you're going to sit on your phone or you're going to sit and doodle and not listen. Okay? It's up to you. It's up to you, whatever you get out of it. And for some of you, this will be a totally strange situation. You've never been away with us before. You've maybe never sat through a talk that lasts as long as these are going to last for the next two hours. And for some of you, you've maybe never had to experience God before in that way. You've never listened to him. You've never had to, to pick that up. But this weekend, we want to walk through that with you as well. So we're going to start at the very beginning. We're going to pick the story up um, at the very start in Genesis 37, uh, chapter, chapter 37, verse 1. So if you brought a Bible, you might want to open that in the book of Genesis. If you brought a phone, hopefully you'll have a Bible on your phone. You might also want to look that up as well. If you don't have a phone, but you have data, you can go on to Bible Gateway. Just putting it out there. And for the recording, other Bible websites are available. So I need to find this first. So I'm reading from the New King James. You probably, you guys probably have a different Bible, so it may be slightly um, different wording but the story is, is the same. Another thing we want to say is we are recording all the talks, all the seminars, so you can listen to them again uh, when you go home, and that was something you guys asked for. So we're going to do that, so you can, if you think, oh, that was really good, I want to hear that again, you can. So um, chapter 37, verse 1 says, Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bila, the sons of Zelpha, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a tunic of many colours. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, shall you indeed reign over us or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, 
What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come and bow down on the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. And we're going to pause there. Okay, we're going to leave it there um, for now. So here we have Joseph. He's a young boy. He's not much older than some of you. He is the same age as some of you. And he's just casually going about his day-to-day life when, bam, God shows up and shows him a plan for his life, that he is going to be a ruler. Joseph was 17 years of age. All right? At the start of this story, he was only 17 years of age. And for those of you that know the story and know where he goes and journeys and what he journeys through, by the end of the story, he's only 30. All right? So he's doing all this quite a small period of time, and when he is, considerably quite young. And God's vision that he gave him is so clear. You know, it talked there about the 11 stars. Joseph had 11 brothers. And the sun and the moon represented his mom and his dad. So God is really clearly showing him that they are all going to bow down to him. But they don't understand it. And to be fair, Joseph's first mistake, the first mistake he made was probably something that is quite natural to us. It's something that we all want to do when we see something like that from God or when we hear good news. We run and we tell our family because they're the ones that we think are going to be happy for us. We think they're the ones that are going to journey through it with us and, and be excited. But they don't accept it and they don't find it encouraging. And in fact, we read here that they're actually quite dismissive of what Joseph has to tell them. Imagine being in that situation where you know something good and something great has been told to you. And you want to share it with your family, but straight away they hit you down and they dismiss you with it. And they don't listen. And for many of us, that can become a reality for a number of things. That can become our reality when we come to faith, when we start going to church, when we make new friends. We want to share it with our families. We want to share it with those close to us. We want to share that excitement that we feel with them. But for many, they don't share that same excitement. And they can be quite dismissive and put us down. And I'm sure if we're all honest, we can think of a time when other people's reactions have influenced how we have behaved or whether we've actually followed through with what we've thought we were going to do or or that thing that has happened for us. But if we go back to Joseph, Joseph didn't let that discourage him. He knew that what he had dreamt was from God. He still didn't fully understand it. But he knew that it was from God and that it had to be good. And he kept that matter in his heart. But what's also really interesting is that the Bible tells us at the end of those verses that Jacob rebuked Joseph for what he had said. And the word rebuke means to correct. So he had corrected him for what he had said by saying that they would bow down to him. He basically told him off. For his vision and his dream from God. But what's even more interesting is at the end of that verse, it says, but his father kept the matter in mind. So it shows us that while Jacob may not have liked it, he could see that there was something greater going on, something greater than his, himself. And his brother, his brothers on the other hand, they had another thing in mind. So we're going to go back and we're going to pick it up at chapter 18. Or sorry, verse 18. So chapter 37, verse 18. 
And it says, Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, Look at this, the dreamer is coming. Come therefore, come, come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into a pit. And we shall say that a wild beast has devoured him. We will see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let's not kill him. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him, that he might, so that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. And so it came to pass that when Joseph had come to his brothers, that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colours, and they took him and cast him into the pit. And the pit was empty, there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilad with their camels, bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then the Midianite traders passed by. So the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit. And they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. So the good news is they didn't kill him. They wanted to, but they didn't. They realized that they shouldn't. But what's interesting here is that Joseph's brother Reuben did what he could to try and save Joseph by suggesting that they don't kill him, but that instead they throw him into a pit so that he can come back later to save him. And he manages to get them to agree, but then the story takes another unexpected turn. And Joseph ends up being sold by his brothers into a life of slavery. And not only that, but taken to a land far, far away. He's taken to Egypt. And I'm sure at this point, Joseph could be forgiven for thinking that all was lost, that God had forgotten about him, that God didn't have a dream for him, but that instead he'd, he'd inter intercepted a dream that was meant for someone else. You know, we said earlier on that his first mistake was telling his brothers what God had shown him in the dream. But what if we take that idea and what if we, we flip it and we look at it from another angle? You know, the Bible tells us that when he told them, they envied him. And that that feeling is what led them to carry out the plot to kill him. And then eventually to sell him into slavery. Yet we all know that it was those actions that led Joseph to be in the place that God needed him to be in. For his plan to be fulfilled. And that's still true for each and every one of us today. Sometimes for God's plan to come to fruition in our lives, he needs to take us through a process that can be difficult or uncomfortable. He needs to move us from our comfort zone where we rely on him 100% and move, and move us to another place. You know, how many of us have felt that we are thrown in a pit and rejected by those that are supposed to love us the most? We don't understand why. We don't understand how we've got into that situation. But it's in those times that God is teaching us to rely on him 
to turn to him, to remember what he has told us, but most importantly, to stay true to him. And each and every one of us has a unique set of fingerprints. Nobody's fingerprints here are the same. And just like that, God has a unique plan for each and every one of us. The dream that he places in our hearts is ours. If someone else shares their dream with us and we think, oh, I love the sound of that, and we try to run with that and take that as our dream, then we're going to fail because God's plan for us is unique. And there may be a crossover or similarities to that of someone else, but the final artworking of the dream, how it all comes together, that journey we go on to get there, are ours. They're ours. We own them. And my prayer for you guys is that you will realise what they are for your life and that you will claim it. That you will claim it as yours and that you will keep a hold of it. You know, I mentioned at the start that I really wanted to be a zookeeper, that I wanted to be an actor, that I wanted to be a teacher, that I wanted to be a doctor. I think I went through every profession going. But God had a plan. God knew what he wanted for me. You know, when I, when I was born, obviously I don't remember this because I was a baby, okay? Um, and while I am pretty smart, I'm not that good, okay? Zoe looks horrified. But as a baby, whenever I was born, uh, my mum my tells me, and, and so does my granny actually, that uh, my granny always said anytime she saw me, she used to look at me and say, oh, he's going to be a minister. He, he's going to be a minister or, or he's going to be something. He's going to, he's going to work in church. And as I, as I grew up, I didn't know this when I was younger. And as I got older and started to get more and more involved, I, I, I was told this. And straight away, I was like, mm, nah, I'm all right, thanks. Don't even know if I'm a Christian. I'm not telling you that, mum. Uh, you know, and I didn't know, and I didn't want that. You know, I, I, that's not what my thoughts for my life was. You know, I was going to go and work in the zoo and get paid and not go near any animals. You know, that was, that was how my life was going to unfold. You know, I didn't want it, and I tried everything. And even when I was 16, uh, I remember very, very clearly... I felt God speaking to me, which is a really strange process for somebody that at that point didn't believe that God spoke, didn't really know that God spoke, was kind of like, do I need to go to the doctor? Because I'm hearing somebody talking to me and it's, I don't know who it is. And even then, I, I felt that God was saying to me, what your granny has said is going to come true. And I and he was like, you need to go that way. And I very, very, very quickly ran that way. And for those of you who know me, you know that running is not a word in my vocabulary. But I'm telling you that I ran that way. I ran totally the other direction from what I wanted. For me, and my attitude at the time was it's my life. This is my life. And nobody is going to tell me what to do. I was going to do what I wanted. And I don't care what anybody else wanted. But in the background, just like in the story of Joseph, God was working. Because God was putting people and places and circumstances around me to bring everything full circle, to bring everything into place. So when the time came to make those decisions, it made sense. You know, God had started talking to my friends. I had made new friends. Friends that I had had for a very long time just weren't there anymore. 
still don't know where some of them went. Uh, you know, but I just, I turned around and they were gone and I had all these new friends and, and I was going to these things that I, I didn't really want to go to and I, I didn't understand. And I was going to youth events at church and I was like, what's going on? You know, I was still very involved in my church, but church was for Sunday and then you went home and you did what you liked, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then you went back on Sunday. And you taught Sunday school. And you went and took YF. And then you forgot about God and left him right through until Sunday again. And that was me and that, I was happy with that. But I remember watching God work in my friends' lives. I remember seeing them change and I didn't understand how, but all I knew was it was good. And if I'm honest now, I was scared because I didn't understand what was happening with them. But they were changing more and more. But most importantly, they were praying for me when I didn't know it. They knew that I had hardened my heart, that I wanted to be me and I was only going to do my thing. And they were praying that God would soften that. And then the youth worker in our church left and I ended up running a lot of the stuff and I was like, still in school, what's going on? But that summer, when it came to making my decision about going to uni, I had a choice between studying theology with drama, with drama being the major part and theology being the minor, just because out of all the minors, it was the only one I had any kind of interest in, or youth work. And I remember the day I made the choice, something in me just knew that youth work was the one I had to pick. I didn't know why. I didn't even know like anything about it. I was just like, this is what I want to do. And I remember, I remember that morning we made the decisions, I went home and I think we were doing a holiday Bible week or something and we did have mobile phones at this point. So I remember looking at my phone and there was all these missed calls from school and my vice principal then phoned me back later in the day and my vice principal phoned me and begged me not to do youth work, to go down the road of the drama and to do that. But deep in my heart, I knew that that wasn't where I was meant to go. And I couldn't, I couldn't explain why and he couldn't understand why I couldn't explain why because I was so passionate, that's what I wanted to do. But over the next few months, things started to move very, very quickly. I started to understand who I was more. I started to understand faith more. I had a crash course in Jesus and Christianity and what that meant. I understood, I very quickly came to the understanding of what it meant to be a Christian, what it meant to follow Jesus. But I still wasn't ready to let go of me and move in to let him control my life. But as I say, my friends kept praying for me. They kept praying and praying and praying. And we used to have small groups in people's houses. We used to have weird prayer party things in car parks. You know, the cool kids were drinking around the corner and we were sitting on the picnic bench praying. And through that process, God started to break into my heart. And I realized that actually there was so much more to this than I had ever known. And very, very quickly, 
I realized that God had a plan for my life, that he wanted me to serve him. And I remember still fighting that because I didn't want to work for church. I didn't want to do that. That's not what I wanted to do. But something in me deep down just wanted it. And I remember coming to a point where I had become a Christian. I was still serving in church. And just something in me broke. And I just realized that, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I can't control my life. And God started to place dreams in my heart. And I wanted to see them fulfilled. And I handed it all over and I said, yes, God, you take control of my life. And within weeks, all of those friends of mine left our church and went to another church. And I was left with this new passion for Jesus and wanting to see things happen. And I was on my own. And I didn't understand what was going on, but I knew that God had a plan. And he showed me part of that plan, you know, and part of that plan, as I say, was, was to go and, and to serve him. And they all moved to a, a church plant. And I started to get more and more frustrated with church. Um, I knew at this point that I was called to youth work, but also Christian youth work. I knew that he had a dream for me. I knew that I'd seen a little bit of the picture, but I didn't see how it was going to work out. I had people praying for me. I had people prophesying over me. I had people giving me words that they felt were from God. And bit by bit, I started to dare to dream of what that could be like. And I knew then, God started to build up a picture for me as to where he was taking me, just like with Joseph. He showed me where I was going on that journey. And I'm still on that journey. I'm still not there. And he told me that I had to leave my church. And I remember that being a big thing because I had grown up there. Um, all my friends had gone, so that wasn't as big a thing. But I knew that God was calling me into youth and children's work but I knew it was so much more than what I had. Um, and my friends had moved to this church plant and they kept inviting me and I kept saying no because it's Pentecostal and they're crazy and I'm Church of Ireland and we just sit and stand up and down and do this all day. But something in me wanted to go. And I remember the first night I went down, I went down and I felt God straight away. I knew when I walked in the door God said to me, you're home. This is it. You're home. And I went and, and we did the service and it was interesting and it was different and it was weird. And we got in the car to go home and my friends just looked at me and went, you hated every minute of that, didn't you? And I just looked and I was like, actually, no. God has told me this is home. But God has told me this is home in his time. Because in that night, God had shown me that part of his dream and his plan for my life was to go and be a pastor in that church. And for someone that didn't know how that worked, that was a bit weird. And I was excited. I was so excited. 
But I had to wait. I had to wait and I had to do the journey to see where God was taking me and how he was going to get me there. And I was frustrated. Eventually then, God very clearly spoke to me and said, go. But I had started to slip backwards and I wanted to control my life again. And I was like, God, that's cool. But no, I'm not ready. And I fought it for four months. And eventually I left. And as soon as I got there, I knew why God was bringing me there. And I'm not the most patient person. So I didn't want to wait. I wanted to just jump straight in there. Um, But they had a rule. They had a really, really cool rule, actually, that is a really good rule. Um, That when you came to that church and you became a member, so not only actually coming and, and sitting in the congregation, but after you become a member, you have to sit for six months before you can go into leadership. So here I was, and I was like, God's brought me here to do this, to serve. I'm bored sitting here. I've been here a couple of weeks. I want to go. And I knew I had to wait. And I really felt him showing me where he was taking it. And the dream and the desire in my heart was getting stronger and stronger and stronger. I was doing my friends' heads in, begging them to try and get them to bend the rules. Deep down, I knew that it was in God's time, not mine. But I remember clearly, having arrived there in November, in the second week in January, God spoke to me and showed me a wee bit more of what it was. And I remember one day the pastor came up to me and asked me to go in to Children's Church to work along them. He said he'd been praying that God would bring someone along that could solve their problems they were having. And that a few weeks before I arrived in November, God had shown him me in a dream. And I found that really strange. You know, I was like, okay, cool, yeah. And that morning, he had said he went in and he said the place was just absolute chaos. And God clearly reminded him of the dream and said, Andrew is the person you need. I don't know how he did it, but he got the rules changed and bent for me to get me in there because he knew that that's what God was saying to him. And for me, that was God starting to outwork that story. He'd been working in the background. And even though I couldn't see it and I was getting frustrated, he was working to take me on that road. And that journey was one that I could never have dreamed or imagined. Over time, I very quickly became their assistant children's pastor. I then moved up and became their children's pastor. And after that, I then became their national children's pastor with oversight for four different church sites in Northern Ireland. And I wasn't even 24 yet. And deep inside me, I knew that this was what God had for me. And I didn't feel qualified. I didn't feel that I could do it. I remember standing up in front of church and speaking the words, but not feeling qualified enough. But guys, the one thing I want you to understand is that God doesn't call the qualified, but he will qualify those he's called. God will give you the words to say if you let him. You know, people, I had prophecies, like I said, you know, people prophesying over me that I was an establisher, that I had a very special heart, that 
I would go in and, and establish things and, and set things up and, and sort things out and help people along the journey. And, and then I would go. And I didn't want that either because I knew that that would hurt. But I had to very quickly give in to God's plan for my life again and realise that. I know that God has given me a heart for people. I know because he has done it already three times. God has taken me places to establish, to tidy up, to, to speak to people, to, to, bring, to preach the gospel and bring freedom. To stand with people in their brokenness, to stand with people in their fear, to stand with people in their worry, in their struggles and in their times of need. But I know that he moves me on because that's the journey I'm on. And that's the calling that is in my life. And for me, I still struggle now to walk that road because I know that at the end of each little step that God has for me, I have to go through the pain of saying goodbye. That I have to go through the pain of walking away. But for me, seeing what God does in that period of time is the most important thing. You know, we need to rely on God for every single part. And for Joseph, he knew what God was showing him. He knew what God was saying to him and he knew it clearly. He didn't get the support that he wanted from his family, but he clung on to it. And guys, we will never go wrong if we stick with God. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you don't believe in God, if you 100% believe in God, if you think that God is someone that's there when you need him in hard times, if you have some God that's there that is with you each and every day, whether you call yourself a Christian, whether you don't. For me, the most important thing is for you to remember that God loves you, that God is always standing there waiting for you with his arms open. But it's up to you to realise that you need to let go of you and embrace him and let him into your life. And this weekend, my challenge to you is to find out what God is saying to you, to lay down your life and commit to following that. What is that dream that he's placed in your heart? What has God been nudging you about that you've been ignoring? And you have a fantastic opportunity this weekend to spend time with God, to listen to what he has to say to you. Just take time out. I love this place. It's a really special place and tomorrow when you get to see it, you'll understand that. There's so many places to go and sit and just spend time with God, to cry, to laugh, whatever it is. But also this weekend, you're surrounded by people who love you and want the best for you, who will sit with you on the mountaintops when you're flying high, but most importantly, we'll get right down into the dirt and lie alongside you when you hit the bottom. And I want you to use that. And when, God's, when God speaks to you, not if, but when God speaks to you this weekend, I want you to run with it. I want you to grab it and I want you to run. I'm gonna finish with this. It says in the Bible, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you 
and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And guys, there's no better time than now to get started on that. There's no better time to start understanding what those promises are and to start living them out. I was reading this morning this before I came down and I nearly didn't read it. I don't know why because I've been, I've been trying to read it every morning. But this was today's devotion in my wee book and it says this. I sometimes wonder how many blessings I might have missed out on because I let go too soon and didn't fight long enough. Jacob fought with God and picked up a limp in the process, but it was worth it for the incomparable blessing that he received. We all go through different stages in our lives. There are some when I've been both hungrier and less hungry for God than right now. And that's the nature of an undiluting journey. But today, I want to invite you to step inside the circle. You can't do it in a few minutes, like one of these devotions. That would be undervaluing the experience. This is an invitation to encounter God in unspeakable intimacy and power. And what do I mean by stepping inside the circle? This man was born in a gypsy tent of humble origins and yet ended up being invited to the White House by two presidents. Rodney Smith came into the world in 1860 in Epping Forest just outside London. 45 times he crossed the Atlantic to preach the gospel to millions of people on both sides. His passion was almost unparalleled and there was great fruit in what he did. What was his secret? Private prayer. His praying was even more powerful than his preaching. A delegation once came to him to inquire how they might experience personal and mass revival as he had. They wanted to be used the way Gypsy was. Without hesitating, he said, go home, lock yourself in your room, kneel down in the middle of the floor, and with a piece of chalk, draw a circle around yourself. There, on your knees, pray fervently and brokenly that God would start a revival within that chalk circle. If you're too busy, you're too dry, you're too battered, you're too sinful, He's heard all of the excuses, but he's still inviting you. Step inside. Amen.